comfort in a time when you are discomforted, when things are uncomfortable, when there's tension. And I realize that for so many of us, you showed up here today and you got all sorts of turmoil going on, all sorts of things that are going on. And maybe it's blowing up on the surface or maybe you're one of those people which is kind of smoldering under the surface right now, just feeling it's like eating you up inside. I want to tell you that comfort is here. God has already sent his son. With so much unrest all around us, we could all use a little comfort right now. Today, Pastor Daniel begins a new series in the book of Isaiah. When Isaiah wrote this, the Israelites were divided and hurting, so God sent Isaiah to comfort them. You may feel just like the Israelites. You're struggling and in desperate need of comfort. Well, it's found in the person of Jesus. You can live in that peace when you have a relationship with him. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 40 as he begins his message, When God Arrives. So here at Crossroads, we love to talk about a simple reality that we like to call simply responding to Jesus. What that means is that because Jesus is real, there is an invitation every single moment of every single day, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, or if you're here today and you're just exploring Jesus, that God is constantly inviting each one of us to step into life in a brand new way. Every single one of us, at every single moment of our lives, this invitation exists for us to respond to God in fresh ways. And for me, that's just not like, hey, that's our vision or, you know, or our mission as a church. But for me, that's what life was designed to be. It was designed to be a dance that exists with God leading and us learning how to move in unique ways. But when you think about this idea of simply responding to Jesus, it really speaks about real life. And the problem, of course, with spirituality in the real world is the fact that the real world can be pretty fragmented, can it? For many of us, the brokenness of the world, we live in a divided world. There's camps set up all over the place. There's not a day that goes by that we aren't bombarded with how severed relationships are, how broken society is, all the questions that we have, and what about this, and what about this, and what happens is there's so much division everywhere on a global scale, then when you start to look at your relationships, there's so much contentions and issues that go on in our relationships. And then at some point when you look at your own life, you're like, I feel all divided up as well. Am I the only one who's like, man, we live in challenging times. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not confronted with how challenging life is. But the thing is, is in the midst of a divided world where we sense this own division, the depths of who we are, there is always an echo. There's always a still small voice that calls out to us in the moment from beyond and says, there's another way for this to work. And for me, God's word is so powerful as it relates to the day and age we live because I know that 
cultures change, but God doesn't change and people don't change. You know, I mean, we're 10 years into having iPhones. Obviously, Jesus didn't have an iPhone. Could you imagine Jesus in the sermon? I'd be like, hold on. My mom is texting, you know? It's like, it'd be super awkward in the Bible, you know? But culture changed, but people don't change. And the struggles that we have as people don't change. And what's amazing is that what we're going to begin studying today, I'm calling this series Echoes. It's timeless truths for challenging times. Because just because a truth is a new truth doesn't make it the best case scenario. It's just fresh, right? It's like we want to make sure we grab hold of the timeless truths. Now, what's amazing is that today we're going to begin studying the prophet Isaiah. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've been really wanting to teach you all Isaiah or at least delve into the prophet Isaiah for a while. But if you've been with us, you know it took me five years to get from Genesis to Deuteronomy. So at this rate, I'd be on AARP by the time we get to Isaiah. And so I just really felt like, let's spend some time in the prophet Isaiah. But you have to realize that in the prophet Isaiah, at the point when Isaiah rises up, the kingdom of Israel has been divided. The children of Israel experienced amazing prosperity under King David and under King Solomon, but then the kingdom got divided. The 10 northern tribes and the two southern tribes, you have, now you have Israel and Judah, and both sides of the kingdom are on a collision course with exile, both sides. Everything that's going on, sure, the southern two tribes had a better run with some decent kings, but they were both on a collision course with ending up out of the land that God had promised them. But in the midst of such division, not only culturally, but within each community, God raises up these voices, these prophets, who shout out the truths of God, and it echoes in the hearts of the people of something that they know that's been buried under a malaise of life. And I just really felt so strongly that us studying Isaiah together this summer, not the whole book, but different sections of it, that right now I think for many of us there's so much division and there's so much strife, so much challenge, there's so much struggle, there's so much uncertainty that there is that echo faintly in each one of our hearts that are saying, there's another way to do this. We don't have to do it this way. And so we're going to explore that together. I've been really, really excited to break this open with you all. So to get it going, let's open up in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 11. Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 11. Now, Isaiah is pretty easy to find because it's the second largest book in your Bible. You have Psalms as the largest book, 150 songs. And then Isaiah is the second largest, it's 66 chapters. Now, what's fascinating is many people would tell you that the book of Isaiah with its 66 chapters is actually a beautiful example of the entire Bible. The Bible has got 66 books. Now, what's interesting is the first 39 books of the Bible, very similarly like the first 39 chapters in the book of Isaiah, it speaks of God and God's justice and God's plan right? What we call the Old Testament, those first 39 books. And then the last 27 books of the Bible, we call the New Testament and chapters 40 to 66, 27 chapters, it all speaks about God fulfilling his promises. And so a lot of people tell you that the whole book of Isaiah, all 66 chapters is like the whole Bible, but in miniature form, which is very fascinating. So we're picking up Isaiah chapter 40, 
Now, I've called this message when God arrives, and you'll see why I've called it this. Look what it says in verse 1 of Isaiah 40. It says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, What's fascinating here is you notice the word comfort. It pops up three times. Verse one, comfort, yes, comfort my people. And then verse two, speak comfort to Jerusalem. Now, in the Hebrew language, they didn't have exclamation marks. There's actually no punctuation in it. It's all just consonants, right? Now, if you want something to be emphasized, to be amplified, in our day and age, we'll use an exclamation point or use all caps, right? You know, someone's talking in all caps online. They're very serious about what they're talking about, right? And listen, just so you know, if you're the kind of person who you write everything in all caps, stop that. It makes everyone feel like you're having too much coffee, okay? That's a side note. That's just like friendly reminder on the way we communicate in this day and age. But in Jesus's day, in the Hebrew language, they didn't have all caps. They didn't have exclamation marks. So if you wanted to emphasize something, you repeated it over and over and over again. So when you get the word comfort three times in like 10 words, that is a way of explaining something and emphasizing something. And what this teaches us, you and I, is that comfort is here. Comfort is here. See, what he's saying here is comfort, yes. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her. Why? For her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. See, the children of Israel, and Isaiah's prophesying to the two southern tribes, to Judah where Jerusalem was. He's saying, listen, I want you to speak comfort to these people who are in a mess. At the time that Isaiah raised up, there's been all sorts of things that have been going on. There have been all sorts of issues. They hadn't been formally exiled by the Babylonian Empire. That was going to come about 150 years after Isaiah. But there have been all sorts of pressures and all sorts of divisions. And God raises up this prophet named Isaiah to comfort God's people, to speak comfort to Jerusalem. And I think this is super important. Talk about a timeless truth for a challenging time. Have you received the comfort of God? Because for Isaiah, they're awaiting deliverance. But for us, where we sit today, we are on the other side of God's deliverance because God's comfort has a name and his name is Jesus. God sent Jesus on a rescue mission into this world to do a work in each one of our lives. And he has already come and he is active in the world right here, right now through his spirit. And if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you have received God's comfort. Now you think about the need of comfort. When do you need comfort? You need comfort in a time when you are discomforted, when things are uncomfortable, when there's tension. And I realize that for so many of us, you showed up here today and you got all sorts of turmoil going on. All sorts of things that are going on. And maybe it's blowing up on the surface or maybe you're one of those people which is kind of smoldering under the surface right now. Just feeling, it's like eating you up inside. I want to tell you that comfort is here. God has already sent his son. See, the children of Israel are being comforted and are being spoken comfort. Why? Because your warfare has ended, it says. 
The war between God and humanity is over. Jesus finished the work. Why? Because he pardoned iniquity. All the things that we've done wrong. Now listen, can we just talk about this for a second? All of us have done things wrong. There's not one of us here who can say, I've never done anything wrong. And if you have, that's what you got wrong. The fact that you're the only one who doesn't realize that you got all sorts of stuff wrong. Right? So we all have stuff wrong. And your life is of so much value that God holds you accountable for that stuff. But your iniquity has been pardoned because Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The only place pardon and forgiveness will be found. It's the only place. Nowhere else to find it. Jesus has completed this work. And because he's completed this work, there's comfort to be had. But here's the question. If you've received comfort, are you also someone who speaks comfort into other people's struggles? Because here's what goes on. Oftentimes, the people of God are not translating the comfort they've received in Christ and in the midst of somebody else's struggle, speaking words of comfort. But instead, because everyone's discomforted and struggling, I was like, well, yeah, you should be really angry right now, which completely exacerbates a disquieting situation. See, as the hands and feet of Jesus in our world and in our community, God is asking us to speak comfort in the midst of division to speak peace in the midst of quarrel. But are you doing that? Or are you jumping in the mix with more discomfort? Now, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, chapters, is Psalm 23. Let me read you Psalm 23, verse four. It says, and yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, when that was written, this was long before the day and age of county cared for lighting, right? Like, you know, you go on a road and there's lights, right? You know where it is. Now, in that day and age, when you walked into a valley, we see a valley like, great. And if you don't have any, you know, there's not lights or whatever, you just pull out your phone, you got like a flashlight on your phone, you know. But in that day and age, a valley was a very treacherous place for people, especially in the dark. There's no lights. If it's a valley and there's trees, the moon is being obscured, so there's no light. And you say, well, I'll just put up a torch. But if you put up a torch, now you're on display in a very vulnerable situation. There's predatory animals, all these things. So the idea of a valley, when David wrote Psalm 23, the idea of walking in a valley, that was an area of vulnerability and fear. Now he's saying, no, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, I'm not going to fear any evil. Why? For you are what? With me. See, this is why comfort is here, because Jesus said that I will be with you always, even to the end of the age, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter where you are, no matter what is going on, God is with you. Now, I want to speak for a second to those of you who have yet to say yes to Jesus. Listen, Jesus is with you too, and he's never left you either. You know how I know that? Because in him, you live and move and have your being. You have never taken a breath apart from Jesus. You might not acknowledge him as Savior and Lord, but you are completely dependent on him and you know it. I always say, thank God I don't have to remember to create air so that I can breathe it. I thank God every single day I don't have to remember to keep my heart beating. I can't remember what day it is. You know what I mean? Every single day I'm complete. Imagine if I had to create the food that I have to eat and remember to digest it. We're all completely dependent upon God. Jesus is always with us. 
But something absolutely transformational happens when we realize it. And I think for today, there's gonna be some of you who you're gonna say yes to Jesus for the first time today, and you're gonna realize that your entire life you have lived, God has been with you every step of the way, you just weren't aware of it. That every moment, God was with you. And that's why there's comfort here. That's why comfort is here, because Jesus is real, and he exists at street level for each one of us. Now, it says here, for the Lord, at the end of verse 2 in Isaiah 40, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. In the Hebrew, it literally means that she has received sufficiency for her sins. Again, all this speaks to the finished work of Jesus and the fact that comfort is here. Now, moving on in verse 3, it says this. It says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert the highway for our God. Each valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. Brothers and sisters, what this teaches us is that the path is straight. The way of God is a straight way. It's a straight path. Now, this is super important because really what's going on here is this, it's this voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, we don't realize the imagery of this, but let me explain it to you. Now, when Isaiah's writing this, if a dignitary or a ruler wanted to go to an area, they would send forerunners ahead of them to both scout out the way and to make sure that the way is safe and passable. If there's any issues, they begin to prepare the way so this dignitary can go. Now, I am not a runner. And, but some of you maybe know people who ran long distances in high school. So I, actually, I did run. I used to run from the police when I was growing up. Not long distances. I could run really quick in those situations. A couple of my friends were law enforcement. Like, ah, you ran from us. I'm like, I ran quick, man. Those were not good days. I want to tell you some stories, but I'm going to refrain from it. (laughs) Listen, just so you know, if you're running from the police, you're doing it wrong. That's not the straight path. That's crooked path, right? Anyway, back to my analogy. Sorry about that. I was on the side. So people who are to run cross country, especially when you're not running cross country like on a track, but you're running in the wilderness, it's very common for someone to go and they walk that path and they get used to where's the inclines and where's the declines? Where is it going to get bottled up where people are running? See, you send someone ahead to do scouting. You know, in sports, they do this all the time. If they're going to face a certain pitcher, they'll do advanced scouting on the pitcher to know how to attack it. In the same way, when a dignitary was going to go into an area, they would send forerunners ahead of them to make sure that everything was lined up because they didn't want the dignitary to be inconvenienced in traveling. So this whole thing, this this voice, make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain brought low. The idea is this thing needs to be straight and smooth. All the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. This is a forerunner's mentality of the coming of a king. Now what's beautiful is that all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all use this verse to describe one person. Anyone know who that is? John the Baptist. Let me read you how this goes in John chapter 1, verses 19 to 23. It says, now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? 
He confessed and did not deny, but confessed and said, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. And then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who send us? What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, so how powerful is this? Now you have this idea of a forerunner going to prepare the way for the Lord. And then John the Baptist is like, yeah, I'm that guy. So in Jesus's first coming, John the Baptist is the forerunner. But who is the forerunner for Jesus's soon second return? Anyone know? You and me. We are. Our lives are designed to be a highway that is straight so that people may know that Jesus is real and that Jesus is coming back again. But here's the question. Is your path straight? Because you know what's going on in this day and age, 21st century, Christianity in the West? People say, you know what? How much can I get away with and still be a follower of Jesus? How close can I get to living like hell and still be a follower of Jesus going to heaven? But Jesus invites all of us to enter through the narrow gate. It's a difficult way. Few find it, but it does lead to life. Is your life a straight path? No, I love this idea. You notice it, the pictures of a, not just a road, but a highway. Do you ever think about what a highway is for? A highway is to get you there the fastest, the most people can get on it, and you can cruise down the highway. You know? Your life and my life as the hands and feet of Jesus, as the body of Christ, we are actually designed to open up easy on-rams for people to begin to follow Jesus through the way that we live. How are you at being a forerunner for Christ? What's the testimony of your life? Now listen, I mentioned those who are trying to see how far over can we get without getting in trouble. I have a rule that says if I ever have to ask God if it honors him, I already know the answer. You know what I mean? Like if I have to say, Lord, does this give you glory? I already know the answer because you don't want to live your life trying to figure out how far over can I be to the line. It's like when you fall madly in love with somebody. When you meet someone who is madly in love with someone, they never say, I wonder how close I can get to this other person and still be in love with this. You never think that way, do you? Why? Because you're, you're consumed with that person. And in the same way, if you're the kind of person, if you're following Jesus and you're like, well, can I do this? Is it okay? Is here the line or is here the line? What that means is that you're not in love. Because I never met someone, I'm so in love, but I got this thing on the side. It's not like that. Because when you're so in love, no one matters anymore. These things don't matter anymore. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where a lot of followers of Jesus are not on the straight path. They're on the crooked path. Or they're on the straight path. They're trying to figure out how crooked can I make the path. And brothers and sisters, let that never be named among us. We want to walk on that straight path. Why? Because your life was not just for you. It's created for God's glory and to be a testimony in the world. Jesus is real. Kids often try to push the line to see how much they can get away with before they get in trouble. Well, children aren't the only ones who try to test their boundaries. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that if you have to ask if something honors God, then you probably already know the answer. God wants your heart 
wants you to be all in with him. When your affections are for him, pushing the boundaries won't even cross your mind. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will look at the contrast between impermanent humanity and his eternal word. You'll be reminded you need to know what the Word of God says and let His Spirit bring those truths to life in your heart. Pastor Daniel calls this the wind of God. He shares that without the Spirit enlivening you, you'll become a person who knows what the Bible says and uses it to judge everyone around you. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Echoes. Until then, may God bless.